All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, we are recording here on Easter Monday uh, for our Wednesday, April 20th episode. Um, we got episode number 46 here, and we're going to start uh, directing our attention to the uh, rookie draft. So we're going to be talking rookie prospects, uh, what we think of them, where we want them to land, maybe. And then uh, we're going to do our own little uh, rookie mock draft here with uh, very little information, obviously, uh, prior to the NFL draft. Uh, but before we get started on our episode today, number 46, we'll uh, throw it to the fellas and see how, uh, how the boys are doing here at the uh, start of our Easter holidays. So we'll go to uh, Armin first. Armin, enjoying a nice little break so far or what? Yeah, I went up to my uh, parents' farm and enjoyed uh, deep fried turkey over the weekend and it was delicious and for the first time ever on Easter we had fries so you know you pull out the deep fryer you got to just deep fry everything right so no mashed potatoes but fries and they were delicious as well so I've been uh, been eating a lot I might be like 10 pounds heavier already so that's just a good fit the fries you know you're making gravy anyways for the turkey so might as well dip the fries in some gravy I <laughs> like that might be onto something there Armin oh yeah and uh Zach how about yourself how's Easter holiday so far for you yeah, with the uh, with different families, uh, the in-laws and such, it's been it's been a busy couple of days. But um, I'm looking forward to to this week and uh, taking some time to to ourselves, kind of unwinding uh, from a busy couple of weeks at school and uh, getting ready for some for some university finals. So should be a good couple of days here. Um, but Armin, you mentioned you had turkey. Uh, I'm wondering, are you guys more turkey people or ham people for your your holiday meals we're usually more of a ham family uh whenever we do a roaster any or in a roaster or anything we do ham or oven but uh we have a deep fryer my wife and i and my parents are like hey we'll make the well we'll get the turkey if you bring the fryer out to the farm and we're like oh sure also, my dad works at the canola crushing plant in Nippon, so he's able to get all that oil for, for free. So, <laughs> yeah, I know we're uh, we're on YouTube, and you can only really see shoulders up. But by judging by my barrel, I'm a, I'm a ham and turkey guy. I'll definitely dabble in both. <laughs> Speaking of deep fried turkey, I remember was that Armin two years ago? We did a little bit of a friendsgiving uh, type thing around. Um, was it uh, American Thanksgiving? I think we ended up doing something. You guys deep fried the turkey there, whole man. That was. Hands down, one of the best turkeys I've ever had. I couldn't believe how how juicy that turkey was. It was it was unbelievable. I know it. Once I once I did it once, it's it's hard to go back. If I'm making a turkey, I'm deep frying it. Oh, it's it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, the only thing is, you can't do the stuffing inside of it though. Hey, I'm a stuffing guy. I'm a big yeah. Stuff. That's the downside is you miss out on that stuffing. But I think it's worth it for that uh, delicious turkey that you get out of it. No, that crispy skin that you get on top too. Yeah. Ooh. when I was uh when I was still teaching there I always do the attendance questions and one of the questions I asked was what's your favorite part of Thanksgiving you know you got the uh, some kids all oh, with friends and family or whatever but I'm like no like I'm talking about the food here like is it the cranberry sauce is the gravy, <laughs> what do you want and my one cares about your family if I'm drafting of the Thanksgiving meal or or Easter meal I guess two of kind of very similar but I'm going 101 stuffing like that's that's my pick might be might be early you know there's no there's no uh there's no revenue or I guess or value there taking stuff in 101, but yeah, that's that's my pick for sure. No, we my 101 that. is 101 is bone in ham. Oh, 
Yeah, and then in the slow cooker and it just melts apart. That's pretty good too. I'll give you that one. Yeah. We had uh, we had the for the first time my myself and my fiance. Well, I, I shouldn't say myself. It was more my fiance and the mother-in-law. But we had everybody over for the first time to host for our own time. Uh, usually it's over at their place, but we had their family, my family. We had everybody because we got engaged during COVID. So we haven't had an opportunity for all of our families to kind of get together. But we had about, I think it was roughly about 35 people over for uh, for Easter at our house. So it was a little bit of chaos last night. So kind of nice to be able to sit at the computer and sip on some coffee and talk football today. And kind of just relax a little bit because it was uh, it was chaotic. But, you know, that's uh, that's all right. It was nice to be able to get some family together and kind of see everybody because the last couple of years, obviously, it's been uh, – it's been difficult not to be able to see everybody, so I'll, uh, I'll take that for sure. Um, before we get started here, obviously, happy uh, happy Easter, everybody. Hopefully, you uh, enjoyed a safe and relaxing holiday so far as we get back to the grind. Um, hats, uh, I mentioned uh, we still got some hats for sale here. If you're looking for a 306 Fantasy Football hat, we got them for sale. You can message us on social media, and we'll be able to hook you up with a, with a 306 Fantasy Football hat. And we also have another opportunity if you're looking for a 306 fantasy football hat. We got the draft coming up April 28th, which means we're doing another draft day giveaway. So we're going to be giving away a 306 fantasy football hat along with four rookie cards, premier rookie cards from last year's 2021 rookie draft. And then we also are going to be giving away a free listener league spot in our upcoming 2022 fantasy football listener league. So uh, stay tuned for that. We're going to be giving away that on social media. So be paying attention to our socials, whether it's on Instagram or Facebook, and you can uh, follow the instructions there to enter and get a chance to, uh, to win a good little draft day giveaway. So come draft day, we'll, we'll announce that uh, the winner just shortly before uh, the NFL draft kicks off. So stay tuned for that and, uh, and hopefully get your hands on not only some through six fantasy football merch, but also, uh, some good NFL product and then an opportunity to be a part of the, the charity league upcoming season. So it's a, an awesome opportunity and hopefully, uh, hopefully we get to uh, see your guys' names in there. So without further ado, we'll get started here on some insiders and headliners and a little bit of news from this past couple weeks. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. I'm Ron Burgundy. Well, I think the, um, we'll start with this one. We've uh, quite a few contract extensions and signings to talk about. But I think the first one we're going to talk about is uh, a little bit unfortunate news. And this one rolled out shortly after we actually had discussed our uh, previous podcast there. But Dwayne Haskins, a quarterback from the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, passed away at the, at the age of 24. He was... Um, getting prepared for the upcoming season in Florida. And unfortunately it was struck by a vehicle while he was walking on the freeway um, and ended up passing away at the age of 24. Uh, he was a former first round draft pick and quarterback of the Ohio Buckeyes. And uh, unfortunately uh, a young prospect, a young player, obviously NFL player, a, a husband, a teammate, uh, was obviously passed away at the age of 24. So unfortunate news that you don't really like to talk about. And obviously, we like to talk about the fun stuff of fantasy football, but obviously, this is it has fantasy football implications, but it's a, it's a lot bigger than that. So unfortunately, I do have to talk about that. But I know, um, I know, I don't know if you guys pay attention on social media, but the amount of 
outpour that came from this from former teammates, current teammates, friends, you know, that was just like, he was a team guy, you know, his family first, teammates first, you know, he was shirt off your back type of guy. But no, I think that's, that shows a lot about his, his character and, and who he was as an individual. Like, I think um, I was listening to another podcast and they talked about, you know, it always takes some a, a tragedy or something unfortunate to happen where you start hearing these stories, but there was uh there was the outpour was unbelievable, I guess. That's I guess that's more or less the where, where I'm going with this, but it's uh it's unfortunate news to start the start the podcast off with. Yeah, I think you're onto something there, Jordan. Um I I know coming out of Ohio State and then during his time with uh the Washington football team there, um the the analysts and the talking heads um questioned his work ethic, questioned his maturity. Um on numerous occasions, but you're absolutely right. After his untimely passing, um, the amount of good stories, the good anecdotes about him from friends, teammates, coaches, uh, certainly shined a light on a on a person that we didn't get to know very well, considering all of the the negative stories, the negative news that the uh, the talking heads had highlighted. So it was nice to hear that. Um, he was so well respected and so well loved by his uh, friends and teammates. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with you. Um, moving into, I guess, a little bit back into the fantasy aspect here. Uh, we have a couple signings and a couple extensions to talk about. Stefan Diggs, uh, star wide receiver of the Buffalo Bills, signed a four-year extension uh, worth $104 million with a $70 million guarantee. So he is going to be connected obviously to a wide or quarterback number one for the last two seasons, Josh Allen for the foreseeable future. So now with, I'm going to ask this question, I guess, kind of just, I was going to go through this relatively quickly, but I think this is worth kind of mentioning now coming back and obviously reflecting a little bit of our crazy off season we've had so far, where are you going to rank Armin? If you had to say right now, uh, where are you going to rank that Stefan Diggs in the dynasty wide receiver or this upcoming redraft, I guess you must go with that, the wide receiver category next season, because he did come off, I guess, a little bit of a disappointing season in comparison to where he was in the 2020 season, but he's still connected to that premier high velocity quarterback where we're seeing those guys like, you know, Tyree Kill, we're seeing uh, Devontae Adams. They're losing those, those uh, connections that they have with those quarterbacks. So where, where would you be ranking Stephon Diggs and maybe this upcoming year for the uh, wide receiver class? You know, um, even though last season was a bit of a, a down year for him, um, he still put up a pretty decent season, if I recall. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but he was he was still near the top tier of, of the wide receivers. So, like, moving forward, I think you got to keep him in that, that tier, and and he, maybe he bumps up a little bit closer to, to some of those guys like Adams and Hill who, who may have a little bit of question marks around them, and you might be a bit more willing to maybe take that shot on on uh digs if he if he has the the guy that he's used to there um here's yeah, the say- numbers here 100 receptions 1225 yards 10 tutties and 11.9 yard per reception yes see that's still a great season like it, it wasn't the the boom season everyone was hoping you'd get from him when they drafted him but like that's still very good and um you got to put him right in that that top tier like 
he you'd probably have Jamar Chase, Jefferson, Lamb, Cup, Debo kind of going ahead of him. But then when it comes to Adams and and uh, and Hill here, there's a lot of question marks. Even DK Metcalf, right? Like some of those guys have question marks around them. Terry McLaurin, he he's the more sure thing, and he's still he's still got it. Um, definitely redraft. Um, go for him. If, if you believe in him and you want him, take him. But uh, Dynasty, he's, he is 28. Um, I'd only really buy him if you're, you're going for the, the chip in the next few years. But uh, he'd still be worth, uh, worth buying because he still, still will have some decent production in, it, in the next few years ahead of him. Yeah, he finished wide receiver seven last year. And obviously two wide receivers that fish in front of him, Tyree Kill at six and Devontae Adams at three. So I mean, I can only see that Stephon Diggs, I think, is going to be drafted ahead of those two in this upcoming season. Like Cooper Cup, okay, drafted in front of Diggs. Debo Samuel, you can make a case taking in front of Diggs. Adams, okay, question marks. Justin Jefferson, sure. Chase, sure. And then there's Stephon Diggs right there at, you know, wide receiver five, which is, comes with some pretty good uh, draft capital, which could be, you know, that maybe that back end wide receiver or back end first round, early second round kind of draft capital. If you, if, you know, there's still guys that believe in Hill. And, and Adams, you might even be able to sneak into that back end second. You never, like, you know, you never know. Yeah. The way it falls, you could end up getting him for, for a bargain. Yeah. I'm sure that's not the uh, re-signing or extension you wanted to see as a Pats guy there, eh, Zach? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I didn't figure he'd be going in anywhere. So, um, yeah, no, no, harm, no foul. great player. And, uh, the way this arms race is going in the AFC, uh, the Bills would have been foolish to let him go for um, anything but a King's ransom. So it makes total sense to me. Here's another guy you're talking about. You didn't expect to go anywhere. Here's a name that everybody expected to go somewhere. Uh, it was Brandon Cooks, wide receiver of the uh, Houston Texans. His name was connected to so many different trade conversations and landing spots with, with necessary wide receivers. You know, like the Packers were thrown around. Like it was, he, he was expected to be on the move. And uh, Houston put uh, put an end to that by locking him down for a two year extension worth thirty nine point six million uh, with thirty six million guaranteed. So he ended up with a nice little uh, chunk of change there to stay put with Houston. And I think connecting on that, um, I guess a little bit of a connection that he developed with uh, Davis Mills. So I think Davis Mills needing obviously some weapons to see what they've got with him moving forward. Um, what do you what do you think of this? Do you think? If you're a Cook's owner, uh, are you happy with him staying put or would you have rather seen him on the move? I think this is good for for Brandon Cooks. I really do. Um, Looking at where he finished last year, he finished, according to Fantasy Pros, he finished as wide receiver 21 on the season with 141 points. Uh, That is only 40 points behind Mike Evans. Uh, who is wide receiver six. Uh, Davis Mills didn't take over until later into the, the season. So, uh, you know, there's a chance had Mills played the full season, uh, Cook's going to finish quite a bit higher than he did. Um, looking at their depth chart right now in Houston, you know, you'd be hard pressed to find their second and third receivers. So, Cooks is going to get a lot of targets, I'd imagine. He had 134 last year. I would not be surprised to see that number go up, even if they do bring in a rookie uh, in this month's draft. I think he's, you know, by far the number one target there in Houston. And 
I would imagine him to get peppered with targets. So certainly in a PPR or half point PPR setting, I think that's a good, uh, a good spot for cooks to be. I think try and try and find a more disrespected wide receiver in the NFL. Like he's just been all over the, well, not even just the NFL, I guess, but in fantasy football as well. He's just been passed around, passed around uh, all these different teams. And all he's done is just been a wide receiver too his entire career. Like he's just put up numbers in fantasy and he always slips in drafts and you always find him with value. Now in another situation where I don't think anybody expects Houston to be a juggernaut offense by any stretch of the imagination, I imagine he'll be slept on and disrespected in drafts again. And you can probably pick up Brandon cooks at a premier value, especially if they end up adding a, a pretty good wide receiver in this draft this year. Like obviously we're going to talk about these premier wide receivers and how, how deep I think this wide receiver class is in this season. Uh, if they add another receiver, Brandon Cooks, you know, he might get disrespected even more. He might even become more of a value. And that's just kind of been the MO for Brandon Cooks throughout his fantasy career. So it's definitely a name that uh, you're going to be wanting to monitor as we enter into the fantasy season. Uh, Another extension here, um, this this AFC West is just ridiculous. But uh, Derek Carr (laughs) signs an extension, three years, $121.5 million. Obviously, they added Devontae Adams, gave him some money. Now Derek Carr, they're going to lock him down. And this AFC West is just going to be ridiculous. But the, I saw somebody commented on our uh, on our post there. I had a good giggle. That's a lot of money to pay somebody for uh, for fourth place and the fourth best wide or fourth best quarterback in the AFC West. But it's uh, it's going to be absolutely unbelievable. And uh, to see who comes out of that division first of all, but uh, to be able to see potentially what this is going to do to Derek Carr's career by adding his uh, his collegiate uh, companion there of, of Devonte Adams. So um, I think. Personally, I think we're talking, well, Scott Fish is coming up right away. Fingers crossed, hopefully get into the big dance there this year. But that might be a really good name in a super flex league to try and pick up that Derek Carr late for your uh, for your quarterback too. They're giving the money. He's got a weapon. Um, they're going to be, I would guesstimate, they're going to be behind in games. So they're going to have to air the ball a little bit more than usual to try and compete with these, these high-end teams. But uh, what are you guys thinking about the Derek Carr signing? I think it's a good signing uh, as far as the economics are concerned. Um, looking at the quarterback contracts here on over the cap, they have him as currently the fifth highest uh, paid quarterback behind the likes of Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen. All those guys are, are signed long-term currently. Uh, now that Derek Carr signed his contract, the next batch of quarterbacks that I foresee getting extensions would be the Joe Burrows, the Kyler Murrays, um, maybe Tua, if he can put it all together, Justin Herbert, um, those types of quarterbacks that have been in the league now for, for two, three, four seasons. And as we've seen with all positions uh, this offseason, the, the floor for most of these big contracts is the contract that was signed prior to yours. So now all of these contracts are going to be based on the Derek Carr contract the Deshaun Watson contract. So these good young players, they're going to be signing above the likes of Deshaun Watson, above the likes of Aaron Rodgers. So I think in a year, we might look back at this and say, you know, that Derek Carr contract didn't look great in the moment, but now it could be a bargain. Yeah, especially if he produces. I know you commented a bit on it, Armin, about that connection with Carr and uh and um and Adams but are you are you expecting big things or what I know you want to maybe recap what we talked about last episode 
you know, they uh, they should be able to surpass what Derek Carr has done in his career so far. Um, I think what I said last episode, right, was Adams was probably going to see a little dip in production, but to still expect him to do well and, and have that connection with Derek Carr. And um, like you were saying, QB number two for Derek Carr and Superflex, that'd be incredible. Last year, he people forget he finished number 13 last year. He actually put up almost 5,000 yards um, and had 23 touchdowns. Now he's got to clean up his picks a little bit. He had 14, but, um, you know, with, with Adams there, I expect Carr's output to, to increase, and hopefully he has Waller for an entire season um, rather than seeing him go on and off all the time, right? So I, I expect Derek Carr to, to produce more this year. I'm not saying he's a top-tier QB by any means, especially fantasy-wise. Um, that's just not who he is, but uh, he he's a good QB who's uh, going to have a long career in the NFL, um, surrounding him with weapons like uh, Adams and Waller and Renfro now as well, who had a breakout last year. Um, he has the weapons. He's benefiting from a team that's trying to put weapons in front of him, and you should see a bump in his production, even though he's not the best QB. It's it's hard for a decent QB not to have production when he has those weapons. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. Talking about adding a couple weapons here, here's one weapon that maybe was unexpected. We were, we were expecting Green Bay to add a weapon in a wide receiver um, <laughs> and ended up signing Sammy Watkins to a one-year deal worth up to $4 million dollars. Uh, flip the coin over under. Do we think he makes the uh, starting? Do we even make you the 53 man rosters upcoming season? Who knows? Um, I guess bring him in, see what he's got. He's been kind of bounced around a little bit here now since he's left Kansas City. Um, and he went Kansas City, Buffalo, uh, Baltimore, and now to Green Bay. Um, hasn't been able to stay healthy. And uh, I think he's just trying to chase after that first round draft capital he had was in 2013. I'm trying to remember if I can. Uh, I, I forget his, his draft year, but regardless, um, an addition in the Green Bay wide receiver room, which we also are expecting a addition in throughout the draft, which we'll kind of maybe foreshadow here a little bit as well. And then AJ Green re-signing with uh, Arizona to a one-year deal as well. So two, uh, two one-year deals uh, to be able to continue on in this upcoming season. You know, I actually like that AJ Green signing. Um, he moved um teams like uh julio jones did last year and he had a much better um season with uh with arizona than julio did with tennessee and um i think he almost actually reached a thousand yards if i look back at the stats here quickly um aj green anyways yeah last time i looked yeah he had 848 yards so not a bad little season for him last year um, and I think he improves on that this year. Well, especially losing Hopkins for most of the season too. Somebody had to step up there in that room. Now you're losing Christian Kirk. There's rumors that they're going to add somebody in the draft as well. So moving into the season with hopefully healthy Hopkins, uh, we're, we're all expect we talked about Rondell Moore last episode, maybe taking that, you know, that big step forward. So we'll see, you know, that's a nice veteran presence to keep in there and, and obviously on a cheap one-year deal. Uh, it doesn't hurt the old salary cap too bad for, for that veteran elite veteran presence. You know, he had, a very long elite career so hopefully be able to take some of these younger wide receivers under the wing and kind of teach them teach them how to be a professional in the league talking about that 
Uh, we are just shaping this episode up a little bit differently. I know we usually have a keep trade cut and then we have the hot takes at the end of the episode just with um, our rookie draft or our rookie conversations here. They do run a little bit on the long side. So we're going to trim up the keep trade cut because we'd be focusing on some of these players that we'd want to keep trade cut and some of these rookies. So we're going to take that information, put it into our conversations in our mock draft. And then we are going to shape up the um, the hot take. And we're going to talk about maybe like, uh, I guess, kind of a hot take, I guess, in a sense of who we think that our teams are going to take in the first round. So uh, it is a little bit of a different episode this episode. And we'll get back to the old, uh, the old drawing board, I think, on the next one. But we're going to have a little bit of fun with this one. So how this is all going to work, folks, is we are going to do a two-round rookie draft. Now, we have very limited information other than what we've gone through their collegiate productions and then going through some of the individual mock drafts kind of so far. Now, we don't know the teams they're going to land on. We don't know what rounds they're going to go in. All those things are going to implicate the decisions we make in our rookie drafts because draft capital matters and teams matter, right, along with the collegiate production as well. So we're going to go through a draft uh, based on solely what our research has shown and uh, who we like as prospects, and we're going to do two-round drafts. So 12... 12 picks, two rounds. We're going to talk about 24 prospects here. Uh, we're allocating three minutes for conversation per first round pick and then two minutes on a second round pick. So we'll have a little timer uh, to give a 15 second warning to be able to wrap up the prospect. And then uh, we're going to rotate through who we pick. So um, we did a little bit of a random draw at the start and Zach was allocated the 101. I was allocated the 102. And then Armand allocated the 103. And then we're going to kind of recycle and rotate through in that particular order. So we have, uh, I guess, any uh, any questions or comments there, fellas, before we get this going? I'm excited about this one. We did a little bit different last year, but I think this is uh, I think this is even better. We'll, we'll obviously share our, our um, analytical aspects to it, but then feel free to chime in, I guess, if you agree, disagree, or any of that sort. So um, without further ado... Uh, we've got a special message, as we always do when we start the NFL draft. And with our particular draft, uh, Roger Goodell brings a nice little uh, introduction for us here. Ooh. Thank you all for being here and for all of you tuning in across the country to welcome our future NFL stars. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get into is now officially open. There is nobody that's booed more. No commissioner, I don't think, has booed more than Roger Goodell. The uh, there's there's uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe there is, but I, it's just such a trademark. You know, I think NFL draft, you think of booing Roger Goodell. I mean, is in it, the NHL, is Manford? yeah, Manford is pretty bad too. They don't do a live draft, eh? No, it's well, like it's, not, it's yeah. televised, yeah. And I loved when was it 2020 draft and they did it virtually from the homes and Goodell, he. You know, he's doing it from his basement. He goes, yeah, you know, uh, there's a tradition none like the other. And then he pans to a bunch of fans and uh, they're booing automatic. And that's just, yeah, that's two and two go together. NFL draft and booing Roger Goodell. But um, I guess without further ado, uh, 101, Zach. So keep in mind, this is a super flexed draft and I think with that in mind, in most super flex drafts, you're going to see uh, this player and the next player go off the board in, in either order. Um, 
And for me, I think the best value presented in a super flex format uh, is that quarterback. So with 101, I am taking quarterback Malik Willis uh, out of Liberty. Uh, Willis is six foot one, 219 pounds. Um, he reminds me quite a bit of, of Trey Lance. Um, so before I go any further, I just want to mention, while Willis is not my favorite quarterback in this draft, um, he is worthy of a top two pick in Superflex leagues. And I think in order to get him, you have to take him there. I can't imagine him slipping outside of the top two picks. Um, fellas, I want you guys to let me know if this reminds you of anyone in particular. Uh, a quarterback goes to a university, goes to a college. He gets beat out for the starting job. And then he transfers to another program where he has lots of success, uh, gets attention, and becomes a first-round draft pick. Does that remind you guys of anyone in particular? The only name that came to my mind was Lamar Jackson, but so that that is the that is the exact story of Joe Burrow. Went to Ohio State, got beat out by Dwayne Haskins, actually, transferred to LSU. That's also what happened with Justin Fields. Went to the University of Georgia, got beat out by Jake Fromm, transferred to Ohio State. And that is also the story of Malik Willis. Uh, committed to Auburn, got beat up by Bo Nix, transferred to Liberty. Uh, and it was at Liberty that Willis experienced a large amount of success. Uh, this past season, he had a completion percentage of 61.5, 2,859 pass yards, uh, 27 to 12 touchdown and interceptions, and a passer rating of 100.2. Uh, but where Willis really shined was on the ground where he put up 878 rushing yards and 13 touchdowns. And he had more broken tackles than anyone in the nation with 89. That is including receivers and running backs. Um, I mentioned earlier that I think Willis compares nicely to Trey Lance's last season at North Dakota State. Um, in Lance's last season, he had 2,786 pass yards, while Willis had 2,859. Uh, Lance had 28 passing touchdowns, Willis had 27. Uh, rush yards, Lance had 1,000, or sorry, 1,100, and Willis had 878. Lance had 14 touchdowns, and Willis had 13. We loved, we all loved Lance last season in, in uh, rookie drafts. So I don't know why we wouldn't love Willis uh, this season in the rookie drafts. For those of you that uh, were like, oh my goodness, Super Mario's popped up. That's our 15 second warning. So that's the same in uh, Super Mario. You got the, you know, the final minute, you're trying to wrap up your, your level. We give it a 15 second countdown to keep ourselves on track for the uh, three minute takes here. But uh, like Zach had mentioned, if you're going to get them, you got to take them early. I think he might be one of the higher drafted quarterbacks that come off in the NFL draft. Uh, so it's going to be similar to that in the Superflex uh, rookie draft. So now I'm on the clock at 102. Uh, and just one thing I'm going to mention here before we go to, just keep in mind that we're not doing a mock draft based on the NFL, right? There's going to be some products that come off the board that are going to be really good for NFL, but might not be as good for fantasy, right? And, and Zach mentioned maybe Malik Bills on the ground might bring an extra aspect to fantasy, um, like we talked about the Russian quarterbacks in comparison to other quarterbacks that are maybe in more um, 
uh, pocket passers or less mobile. So keep that in mind that we're talking from a fantasy perspective where maybe not so much obviously the NFL, but now myself on the clock at 102. Zach hinted at it. It's going to be 101, 102 for most people. And I'm taking the ladder of 102, made my decision very easy. I'm going to take the running back from Ohio or from Iowa State, sorry, Brees Hall, uh, 102, RB number one off the board. At 5'11, 217 pounds, he comes with good size and good speed, running a 4'3, 940. Um, and he is uh, an incredibly athletic specimen. Now, not only does he bring a uh, ability for in the receiving game, but he also brings a great contact balance and, and is very difficult to bring down at times. Now, he uh, his contact point is hit and miss, right? There's other there's other running backs in this class that are stronger, harder runners, but he isn't as able to bring but bring it down as compared to other running backs as well. Um, that was one of the knocks on obviously RB one. He's uh, I think he's the best RB in the class. I think he comes out with a three down set. I think he's going to have an opportunity to land in a position like a Buffalo where he can bring uh, immediate fantasy success. There's also connections to possibly going to Houston where he will have a huge workload as well. In high school, he had a huge production of 4,200 yards, 61 touchdowns, as well as a huge production in the wide receiver game. As a freshman, he can't, had a, a huge production with almost 900 yards and nine touchdowns, as well as work in the receiving game. As a sophomore, he had over 1,500 rushing yards, 21 touchdowns on 279 carries. And then as a junior, he had over 1,400, almost 1,500 rushing yards, 20 touchdowns, as well as 96 receptions for 300 yards and three touchdowns as well. So he comes with a skill set to make himself readily available in not only the NFL, but as well as fantasy drafts. Uh, he can catch the ball. He can run. If he can work on his contact balance a little bit more um, and not being able to be brought down as quickly, that would be a huge step for him as a prospect. Uh, but he is a smart runner. He's an elusive runner. And obviously he comes with a great athletic background. So I think Brees Hall, um, especially in non-super flex, is going to be for sure the 101 taken. Uh, but in super flex, he has the competition to go 101. But I also think he can go 102 as well. I'm going to leave uh, 30 seconds here for a rebuttal. <laughs> I, go ahead. I, I agree with you that he is the full package. Um, I think he is really good at a lot of things and does them at a very high level but he doesn't have anything that is elite in my mind. Um, and then also I noticed in watching his film, he has that four, three, nine speed, but it seems like he gets away from defenders and then they catch back up. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you're right. I, that's one thing I meant I saw in his, in his uh, work was that he's, he struggles to get the edge. And if he does get the edge, it's, he hasn't kind of turned the jets on. He has to read, almost read the blocks, find the gap and hit the hole. Um, and the other notch I do have on him too is he's not a great pass blocker. So to be able to get that three down work, you got to be able to pass block, right? You're not just going in third down just to catch the ball. Um, you got to be able to pass block as well too. So that's something that he, if he can take that next step, uh, we could see a true three down full workhorse back. But um, I think also adding to a, a, an offense that's going to give you that capability, I think would be a huge addition as well. But uh, that is why I'm taking Brees Hall at 102. Uh, we're going to put uh, Armin on the clock at, at uh, 103. All right.
right, at 103, I am taking Kenneth Walker the third RB from Michigan State. He is 5'10", 210 pounds, and runs a 4'3", 840. That um, we just talked about how Hall doesn't really sustain his speed. Walker does. And in my mind, I, I'm almost tempted to rank Walker above Hall. Um, it's really close to me actually on how close they are. Um, he's a really exciting football player to watch. He's not that full package that Hall is, but he runs hard and he makes defenders look foolish. Um, he has great jukes and amazing contact balance. If you watch his film at all, um, you watch tacklers coming in and they need to wrap him up to take him down. They just He can't be taken down by just a check or someone just hitting him. He needs to be wrapped up. Um, and it, it also should be noted that, uh, he has about 800 less college snaps than Brees Hall. So he's not as worn down as Hall. Um, I honestly think that his ceiling is higher than Hall's. I think he could, his best season in the NFL would be better than Hall's best season in the NFL, but um, this is what I also told to a coworker of ours is that I think Hall over his entire career is going to have more great, great seasons than Walker. Um, but I think Walker's ceiling when he reaches his, his peak is going to be a higher peak than Hall. We had a similar conversation last year. I'm going to pipe in about the Javante Najee Harris conversation. I do remember having that, that almost identical conversation here. We are both quite high on Javante. Uh, didn't quite have the gusto to put him ahead of Najee, but now you look back and think, you know, there's, there's, there's a rhyme or reason there. And uh, maybe, maybe address his receiving work arm a little bit. You know, we maybe haven't seen a whole bunch yet, but watching his film, he has definitely has that capability, correct? Yeah. You know, like he, he didn't get a lot of catches in college, but any catch he had watching it on film that looked good, it looked smooth. Um, you watch some of the, the combine and pro day stuff and, and he's making, he's making tough catches that are, are coming over top of his back where, where they're a little awkward, even for a receiver sometimes. And he's able to haul them in as well. And, and with that speed he has, he, he is able to, to run decent routes because he is uh, he has great agility, so if he learns to run the routes, he can, he can definitely do it. And he's he's not a small guy either, um, and and that can help as well. Um, another thing that I did want to talk about is um, some guys that that run like he does. Does you you might be worried about injury, but because of his size and his less college snaps, I'm not as worried about injury as other guys that run like him. Give him the the full three down package. That's for sure. It has the possibility at least to do it. Uh, it's hopefully the draft capital kind of uh, follows it as well. Uh, on the clock at 104, Zachary. This is a spot I didn't uh, envision myself being in. Um, I really thought Armin was going to take a, a receiver at 103. So I am quite pleased that I have the pick of the litter. And with 104, I am taking wide receiver Jamison Williams out of Alabama. Uh, Williams is six foot one, 181 pounds, and he profiles in my mind as Will Fuller plus um, somebody that can beat you deep, but also contribute in the short to intermediate passing game. 
Um, I really think he'd be the surefire uh, number one receiver in this year's draft had he not tore his ACL in the national championship game. Um, and because of that injury, I don't think he'll be the first receiver taken uh, in the NFL draft, even though he's getting a lot of hype in the last couple of weeks. Um, I think it's more likely that he catches on with a team in the back half of the draft, a team that has a established and entrenched quarterback, um, which will really help his career early on. Him landing somewhere like Green Bay with the 22nd overall pick, him landing somewhere um, like Kansas City with the 28th or 29th pick would just be gravy. Um, he finished the year at Alabama with 78 receptions on 115 targets, good for 1,500 yards and a massive 20 yards per reception and 15 TDs. Um, Williams possesses the rare combination of top end deep speed, but also elite level agility. He ranked fifth in the nation in deep yards with 671 and fourth in the nation in yards after the catch with 725. Um, one of Williams biggest knocks against them is his slight frame. Uh, and that should remind you of another Alabama receiver from last year. Uh, in Devontae Smith. And we saw pretty quickly that uh, Smith's slight frame didn't really uh, hinder him any, and I don't expect it to hinder Williams either. Um, per reception perception, 10% um, of Williams' routes were the nine route or the, the go or the fly, and 11 and a half of those of his routes were also the eight or the post. So over 20% of his routes were the deep ball. And then 30% of his routes were the short game. So 20% were the slant and 11 and a half were screens. So Alabama either got the ball in his hands exceptionally fast, or they let him win downfield and they got the ball in his hands uh, behind the secondary. I think William is, is somebody that, you know, he may have a lower floor than a Alave or a London, but his ceiling is exceptionally high. And uh, I would certainly take the risk on Williams before the others. And hopefully I can hit, uh, hit a home run and get like a Tyree kill uh, type of player out of him. That's uh, you hit the nail on the head there for me, Zach, as I kind of enter into my pick here too. Just because they get the earlier draft capital wide receiver doesn't mean they're going to be the best for fantasy for us. I think we're going to be in a position where some of those draft capital, these players are going to skyrocket as we enter in the back end first round. Just because a player gets taken in the first 10 picks as a wide receiver doesn't mean they're going to have the better fantasy output or fantasy perspective as somebody that gets taken in the back end of the first, right? And there's some teams that lost their wide receiver ones that you mentioned, like Green Bay and, and Kansas City, that could be uh, could be buyers here for these positions. And that uh, makes that just fantasy stock rise immediately because it comes with a premier quarterback and an opportunity to be successful immediately because there is vacated targets. Yeah, I could see there being a scenario where whichever quarterback goes to one of those, or sorry, whatever receiver goes to one of those quarterbacks, Rodgers or Mahomes, uh, instantly enters the conversation as wide receiver one in rookie drafts. Uh, similar to uh, CEH going to Kansas City, where 
prior to the draft, he was, you know, a middle of the first round pick, but after that draft capital and after that landing spot, it really arose. I agree. Armin, you had uh, something to add there? I was just going to say he could slide because of that injury and just take advantage of his slide. If, if he ends up falling to you in drafts, don't be wondering why the heck people aren't taking him. Just take him. If you, if you're not in win now mode and can wait for half the season for him, do it. He's he'll be worth it. That's worth, that's uh, that's an excellent piece of advice there. Lots of fantasy owners are, are immediate production, right? You want that, you want that immediate um, immediate production and just, <laughs> and be able to see, see what you bought for, right? Where people might want to pass on, like you mentioned, Armin, and you can, you can jump on that and you can wait and, and, it, and it might be worth its weight in gold. <laughs> no pun intended there. Um, <laughs> 104 on the clock. That's myself. Yeah, this one, uh, Zach kind of mentioned it. It was um, with, uh, with the wide receiver starting to kind of, here's that gap where they're going to start go. I thought maybe uh, Armin would take one, but I know he's very high on Kenneth Walker. Um, I myself am very high on this person and he is my wide receiver one. So I was very thankful that he's still on the board and I'm going to jump on him at the 105. So uh, I'm going to take my guy from the University of Southern California and I'm taking Drake London. I love Drake London. I loved him during uh, his prospect run. I love him during the draft season. I love him on whatever team he gets drafted by. He's an athletic specimen coming at a six foot four, 219 pounds. He's a big body receiver and he has jumps. He can get up in the air and he specializes in that 50, 50 ball and a big body receiver that can get up and he can get that ball with a seven, 78 inch wingspan and 33 inch long arms with the vertical he has. Uh, he has an opportunity to be an absolute fantasy gold mine. So I mentioned he's a jump ball specialist, uh, but he's also really great in run blocking. And as a wide receiver, if you play any sort of football or you're a wide receiver coach, you know, you're not getting the football every play. That's just your position, right? You, you're, you're going to get the ball a small piece of the pie in your offense, but what you do when you don't get the ball is just as important as when you get it. And coaching staffs loves those type of guys, the guys that are willing to put their nose to the grindstone and go out and be aggressive blockers those are guys that are awesome in locker rooms and coaching staffs love you. And that's what Drake London is. He's an awesome receiver as an athletic specimen can jump, win those 50, 50 balls. And he is really good on underneath. Uh, I know there's talks, maybe he has issues with separation on the vertical routes, but that's a, it's a very limited knock because he didn't get a lot of opportunities to be able to create that separation because he that ran a lot of underneath and middling routes. Um, you know, the block being aggressive are things that are going to help NFL franchises. I think there is a really good opportunity that Drake London is the first wide receiver taking the NFL draft. Um, and he will for sure be my first wide receiver that I take come fantasy season. I'm a sucker for USC guys. I'm a sucker for big body receivers. And I really love the prospects of Drake London. Uh, he did come off a, a really, really bad ankle injury, uh, which people were concerned about. But he looked really good at, during USC's pro day. Uh, so I'm not too concerned about that. He had good numbers as a freshman with Michael Pittman and Amonor St. Brown, who are both fantasy, uh, I wouldn't say superstars, but are very good NFL wide receivers. And then last year as a junior in his sixth game before his wide, um, before he had Amonor St. Brown as well, who is competing against targets. So I think he, uh, much the same as Pittman and Amonor St. Brown, has the potential to be 
a really good NFL wide receiver. Man, what are you going to do if he ends up with uh, the Lions? I'll take another USC Lions guy, and I'll just sink with the ship, I guess. <laughs> if, if the Lions get him at 32, there's going to be a party in the carrier household. I'll tell you that first. There's no way he slides all the way to 32. But, uh, yeah, I'd be, uh, I'd be really excited. Um, so you're, you're not concerned about his speed at all? Because that, like, that 4-5-5-40 concerns me a little bit, especially when, like, a lot of the, the receivers we're seeing now are, are it's kind of a standard to be in the 4-4s. Um, doesn't scare you at all? Um, no, I'm not too concerned about it uh, because that's not necessarily his specialty, right? Like I talked about, he still can create separation. He's actually a really good route runner, and he's a really, really smart route runner. Um, so I think no, you're going to be playing to his specialties. He's not going to necessarily be that downfield field stretcher, which maybe for a big body receiver isn't really what you want, right? Like I want to be able to underneath and the medium routes create separation based on your route running and your size, and then be able to go up and get those balls. Um, so I like the fact that he isn't necessarily just a field stretcher, a, a nine route type guy, like Zach mentioned. I think, uh, I think he's going to bring a lot of aspect in uh, and maybe necessarily not the deep routes, but that's not necessarily a knock to him. I think, I think it's more maybe a pro to his, uh, his spe- specialties and abilities. So that's, that's kind of my, my two cents, but. I got some bad news for you, Jordan. You are uh, your Drake London scouting report reads word for word for uh, uh, Lance Zerloin's uh, scouting report for Nikhil Harry coming out of college. Oh. Can't separate downfield, wins in the short and intermediate routes, jump ball specialist, uses his body to uh, block out defenders, good run blocker. That reads word for word <laughs> the uh, Nikhil Harry scouting report. You probably well, have that memorized, eh, Zach? Yeah. Oh, it was. Uh, I can read that on Zach's tombstone, I think. <laughs> cause of death, more likely. <laughs> yeah, I hope. Uh, I hope that's a one-off, and that's not uh, not uh, Drake London mo. If it is, then I'll sink with the ship, I guess. But um, that also is a very similar take to I think Traylon Burke's conversation as well, too. But that's a conversation for another day here. Um, I, we have now next on the docket is pick number one oh six, and we have Armand on the board. All right, with pick 106, I am continuing this wide receiver train, and I am going Garrett Wilson, wide receiver from Ohio State. Um, You know, the run started. At this point, you don't want to miss out. Um, There's a little bit of depth yet at uh, RB, and no runs have started besides the first top two guys. Um, So I think you got to go with Garrett Wilson where – I think this is kind of where that first tier of wide receiver ends um, for this draft and getting him at this point here is, is great because you're getting the, you don't have to make the tough choice with those top three guys and, and you get whoever falls to you at that third spot. Um, he is fast. He runs a four, three, eight. He has production. He has good hands. He catches in traffic really well. He goes up and he gets the jump balls. Um, as well with a with a great vertical leap um, and he he's a great route runner now I normally um, you got a question what what does it mean when when somebody says a, a great route runner because you hear that a lot when you when you're looking at the draft right um, does that mean that they actually know how to run the routes properly which in my mind um, really 
you should be able to at the NFL level with the coaches be able to get everyone to run proper routes. I think it matters on your foot speed and your agility. And if that is what is making you have great route running, that is what's special. Not the fact that you actually are able to know, okay, after five steps, I need to cut here. Right. And then make another cut here. Um, it's being able to do that and then also be deceptive with your body. And I think Garrett Wilson does a great job of, of the, other aspects of route running, not just the being able to take the steps and, and know where to go, but being able to be deceptive, get open and, and get pretty wide open, I think as well. So um, I, I like him. I think he, he is special in that he, he can do, do all of the, the different uh, excel at all of the different areas of the field when it comes to the receiving game and can be a do it all receiver, which is a great weapon to have. Um, it's kind of what you're looking for in your wide receiver one. Um, whereas uh, some of those one trick pony guys who may be really elite at that one thing kind of become more of a wide receiver too, because you need to wait until the defense kind of caves in on your wide receiver one before you take advantage of their elite skill set. Another name that's um, kind of destined for that back end first throwing around, you know, the, maybe the Philadelphia Eagles, I've heard his name a little bit. Uh, obviously that might not be as premier as somewhere like Green Bay or Kansas City, but uh, where, where do you have him kind of pegged to land to Armand? Oh, I haven't looked that deep yet, but uh, you got to think he, he has potential just like London to be the first wide receiver off the board. Um, Williams, like we were saying, might slide. Um, so he could go in, in the middle first for all we know. Um, Philly would be a good fit for him, I think, along with, uh, along with, uh, Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith. Yeah. Um, but, uh, we'll see. There's lots of wide receiver needy teams out there. Absolutely. Uh, Zach is going to be on the clock at 107. We'll see where he's going here. Well, I am certainly thrilled with how this draft is shaken out. Um, I am able to get my wide receiver two here at 107 as the fourth wide receiver off the board. I am in love with Chris Olave, wide receiver from Ohio State, uh, standing at six feet tall, 187 pounds. And in my mind, he profiles quite similar to a Tyler Lockett. Um, one of the best indicators for rookie receiver success uh, in Dynasty is the player profiler breakout age. Uh, Olave broke out at 19.2 years old, which is in the 85th percentile, which is a good indicator for possible future success. Um, last year, Olave could have declared as a junior and in my mind would have been a first round pick in the NFL draft and one of the first four or five receivers taken. Um, he decided to come back to Ohio State, and he's in a very similar spot this year as he was last year. Many people consider him one of the best runners in the draft, uh, which allows him to create separation and get open at all levels of the field. Uh, per PFF, since 2019, on targets 20 yards or more, he ranks first nationally in receptions with 29 yards uh, with 1,054 and, and touchdowns with 19. 
Um, this is a guy that can win at all levels of the field. This year, he finished with 65 receptions on 101 targets. Good for just, just shy of 1,000 yards. Um, just under 14 and a half yards per reception and 13 TDs. Uh, much like Williams, he has a slighter frame than other wide receivers that we've mentioned and that we will mention. Um, and he does need to keep himself free of the DB uh, in order to win. He's not going to bully anybody uh, at the point of contact like Nikhil Harry or Drake London. Um, <laughs> Alave does have a blazing 40, uh, a 4.3940 at the combine, but he does need to add weight in order to win in the contested situations. In my mind, or in my mind, pardon me, he is likely the safest receiver in this class as a result of his route running, sure hands, and separation, but he does not have the highest ceiling. Uh, and I think that belongs to Jamison Williams. Um, it's, I do want to mention, Jordan, you mentioned uh, you do like the bigger bodied receivers. Um, I think that stands in contrast, in my mind, to uh, preferring the, the smaller body receivers. Um, and I saw this on Twitter a few days ago, and I was crying, laughing. Um, the, the person mentioned uh, Wilson and Olave as Timothy Charlemagne and Tom Holland and uh, Drake London and Burks as like a Jason Momoa or like The Rock. And uh, I think I definitely prefer the Charlemagne, Tom Holland body type to, to your body type of Momoa and uh, The Rock. Yeah, but what's not to like about Tom Holland? I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, I just watched that uh, the new Spider-Man last night. What a guy. Um, I just got to point out here that you guys both like receivers that are similar to your own body type. Yeah, just an absolute rig. None, <laughs> none of these wide receivers have barrels, though, so I don't think that's too accurate here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to keep on this train here. Um, I, does anybody else have anything else to mention there before I move on to the next pick? I, I do want to add, um, Armand, you mentioned that you think um, Wilson is the cutoff for the, um, the top tier of receivers. Um, I really think Chris Olave belongs in that discussion as well um, as being uh, a pack of four, uh, you know, tier one receivers. Um, and I think it's going to really show in the NFL draft where um, – different teams are going to have these guys rated so differently across the board. It's not like there's going to be a clear and fast number one, like last year with chase. I think it's going to be really team dependent on who takes these guys. And it's going to really depend on where they go. That's going to be a good indicator for their, their success. Yeah. I'm uh... Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go here because I'm gonna build off of that, but I'll start my pick here. I'm on the clock at 108. And I'm gonna keep the wide receiver train going here. Wide receiver five. I'm gonna swap the slide. And there's gonna be some people that are gonna be listening to this that are saying, I can't believe what you're telling me right now. He's sliding all the way down to wide receiver five. And that's Traylon Burks, wide receiver from Arkansas. Some people even have him rated as high as their wide receiver number one. Um, I'm not in that category. I think I do have him rated as the wide receiver five in the class. Um, much the same as Zach mentioned, I do like Olave. Uh, with Zach taking Olave, I think that made my decision real clear. Uh, I'm going to stop the skid of Burks. And I think this is a risky pick 
He's either going to have an incredibly high, high ceiling. And I think he also has a really, really low floor. He's a lot of knocks against him to being a professional in the NFL, but he has a lot of things that people really are attracted to. He's that big body receiver, 6'2", 225. He is a big body, but he's kind of teetering on the almost a little bit on the too big side, uh, unless you're an absolute specimen like a, like a DK Metcalf. Uh, he's also got a big wingspan, long arms, much the same as Drake London. Uh, he specializes. He's good at the 50-50 ball. But some knocks against him is he does have sloppy routes, uh, some issues with the route running, uh, relies on the physicality a little bit too much, and the slow 4-5-5-40. Four, four, uh, now, he is a rig. Like, 4-5-5 is on the slow side, but he is 225. Like he is a monster. Uh, so to just really isolate the 4-5-5 to a man that's 225 pounds, uh, you can't knock the guy too much because he because he's huge. He's a, he's a big body. Um, he does have a limited route tree, but his hands are incredible. If you watch the pro day or the summer pro day, the combine, uh, when he was running those routes and just it was so fast, so smooth, so quick. He caught that ball in his hands, tucked. Just it was impressive to watch. We we're talking about in our group chat. I was just like, man, did you, you guys watch him? Like he's so good. But then he ran his his forty. And he was like, oh. And that dropped, but it's almost becoming like I thought he was maybe overrated a little bit in a sense where he just didn't have the full package in comparison to other wide receivers. But now he's dropping to, I think, a really good value because his ceiling could be absolutely incredible. And I saw a recent mock where Traylon Burks to uh, to Green Bay at pick 22. And that's where in a conversation where that Traylon Burks stock might skyrocket once again into that high first um super flex, even high first uh, re, or um, uh, single quarterback uh, rookie draft. So um, we're in a situation like Zach mentioned where these, I think here, right here's the tier break for me at, uh, at Traylon Burks. After that, I think there is a gap personally, um, but it's all going to be draft capital uh, locations, depending on where you're going to variety of these guys. But I do think Traylon Burks has some flaws, but he also has those really appealing attributes that can make him a dominant wide receiver one. So that's, uh, that's my two cents on trail on if you guys have anything to add. See what I noticed was when you watch his film, that four, five, five 40 isn't as concerning because he has great playing speed. Like there's guys who have a great 40, but they don't play at that speed. Whereas Traylon Burks is he's playing it seems almost faster than that a four five five. You watch that uh, the one play against Alabama where he ends up oh, running the whole Bama secondary all the way to the end zone on like a little uh, a little screen pass or slant or something. I forget what Rowdy was running, but it was pretty impressive. And it's not something you expected out of a four five five. Yeah, his to add to that, like his. Um... His 8.5 yards after the catch was 14th among 169 wide receivers, which ended up being 92nd percentile over the past two seasons. So, like, he doesn't have to have that blazing speed. You're not bringing the man down. Like, 8.5 yards after um, after catches is uh, is pretty impressive. So, um, it's it's a risky pick. I will say that it's a risky pick because it could be a bust pick. There's been lots of people and people on Twitter specifically that are like, you know what, bust. He's a bust. He's a bust. It's a risky pick. It is. I will. I will go with that. It's a risky pick, but it could also it could also produce in a big way depending on where he lands. My two favorite Burks related stories or anecdotes from the uh, the draft community is uh, in his spare time he hunts feral hogs in Arkansas without <laughs> a firearm. 
no guns allowed in the Burks family. They're hunting feral hogs with Bowie knives and crossbows. And uh, my second story about Burks that I really enjoy is, you know, leading up to the combine, there was the rumor that he wears like four XL gloves when he plays. Like we're talking like the Trojan Magnum of gloves here. (laughs) Apparently this guy is just a physical freak. And then he got to the combine and his hands are like very average size, like yeah. not Magnum, not 4XL. He's no, he's no Sky more. There's, there's no way. <laughs> you know, after um, hearing that, maybe, maybe he jumps up to first tier for me. Yeah, I still, I think that's where the break is. Myself, that's me personally, whether I agree or not. And I know a lot of people have them even significantly higher as their 101, 102 of wide receivers, but uh, I, I'm not in that category, but. Next on the clock here, we got Armand at the 109. All right. At the 109 position here, I looked at the board and we had this huge wide receiver run. And yeah, you guys are saying top five tier. I I saw it as a tier of three and then a tier of two. And then after this, I wasn't as interested in the wide receivers. I was really interested in the tier two ones. But uh, now I'm looking back at other positions and I see that in a super flex league after we did this run of wide receivers because everyone wanted to get on the wide receiver train, we have Kenny Pickett falling falling to the 109, which I think is great value in a in a super flex format. Um, He has a good arm. He he can run and move in in and out of the pocket. um, And he seems like the most pro ready quarterback that can just jump in and and go out of the the quarterbacks this year willis is the best fantasy asset um but kenny pickett will be a great fantasy asset as well um i just wanted to, to say that like once i started watching film on him again um i i really loved loved him i loved his competitive spirit and how competitive he was um you look at that uh fake slide I don't know whether he did it on on purpose and planned it out or if it was he was going to slide and then decided to keep running. Either way, he used the rules to his advantage at that point and showed a great competitive edge that uh, that you want in your quarterback. I think he's the most pro ready. Like if you're going to throw him in a system, he's going to have the most success this season. I don't know if he has the highest ceiling out of any of these quarterbacks. But I do think he is the most pro ready and and combined, I think, with quote unquote, the package, you know, so I could see him in a system. I know there's been conversations that, uh, you know, uh, Carolina, they're looking at going to pick up Baker Mayfield, but in a a position where they're coaching, like they're, they're coaching for their jobs right now. I think that's a position where they might end up taking somebody like that because he might have the biggest year one production. He might not be most upside or fantasy upside, but I think he, uh, you might come with some of the highest draft capital, right? Like you're talking about Malik Willis at 101 to be able to get Kenny Pickett out of, I say, a value in the back end of the first. That's that's a pretty big gap for a guy that could have a similar production in the first season, at least for sure. Yeah, and it's not like he can't run the ball. Like you watch college and he, he does run the ball and he gets some pretty big gains and, and he can score touchdowns too. He's not like a run first type QB, but in – and uh, when it's in need, he, he definitely can do it uh, to, a, to a high enough standard that you can have him run the ball. Yeah, I agree. 
I like them. I like them. And just they're, it's they're kind of you know like some of these quarterbacks kind of get blobbed together where it's like they have this but they don't have this, and this quarterback has that but he doesn't have this, you know. And I think he has jack of all trades, master of none is my my two cents on him. But I'm uh, I'm interested to see where he ends up landing. Uh, Zach on the clock here at uh, the one ten position. So I was thrilled to see that uh, Desmond Ritter fell to me at 110. Uh, Ritter is a quarterback out of the University of Cincinnati, standing six foot one, 211 pounds. Um, earlier, when I was talking about Malik Willis, I mentioned that Willis was not my favorite quarterback. Um, and I am just, I'm over the moon to see that Ritter f- fell to me because Ritter is my favorite quarterback of this year's draft. Um, Looking at Ritter's tape, looking at his stats, reading all the different write-ups uh, about Ritter, um, I really see a Alex Smith-like player. Um, looking at his his college career, he checks off so many boxes from the Jimmy Johnson uh, quarterback checklist, um, and that checklist that Jimmy Johnson had uh, read something that you. Um, you had to start at least three years at the college level. Check. Had to be a team captain. Check. Stats had to have improved every year. Check. Had to have been a two-sport athlete. Check. Um, Ritter checks all the boxes for me, and I can see him being, while not the first, second, or maybe even third quarterback drafted, I could see him having one of the better pro careers. Uh, this season had a completion percentage of 66.4, uh, 3,324 yards, 30 passing TDs, eight uh, interceptions, and a passer rating of 108.9. Now, this next part is what separates him from most of these other quarterbacks. Um, Ritter played at the University of Cincinnati, uh, where he ran a pro-style offense. That means he took snaps predominantly from under center and there were little to no check with knees where the quarterback would before he snapped the ball look over to the court uh, the coach on the sideline uh and the coach would diagnose the play for him and tell him where to throw the ball or what to do uh it was up to Ritter to read the defense and decide where the ball had to go um this is going to set him apart from most of the other quarterbacks And this is one of the reasons why I think he's going to have success. Last year, Mac Jones was in a very similar position where he came from a pro-style offense where he had to process the defense pre-snap. And that's what led Mac Jones to having success. And I could see Ritter having um, a similar uh, potential as a rookie. Um, He has a 4-5-2 speed in the 40-yard dash, which is 95th percentile among the quarterbacks. He also has an extremely powerful lower body where he was 95th percentile in the vertical jump and 99th percentile in the broad jump. If he gets first round draft capital, which I suspect he will, um, this is the quarterback that I am. He's the quarterback that I am looking to pick up near the back half of dynasty Superflex leagues. And, uh, 
please, Jordan, do not release this episode or this segment until my super flex leagues are done because I am going to be doing my damnedest to make sure I'm able to get Desmond Ritter on my spots. Yeah, I really, really like this pick. I was really choked. I really wanted <laughs> to take him here. If this was actually like a legit draft where we're keeping these players, I would have been absolutely furious if you would have snaked me at Ritter one pick before before me. I would have been real choked, especially if you guess that draft cap. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of mock drafts. Ritter to Seattle at that, what is it, the 108, 109, whatever Seattle has. I'm trying to remember what the draft. I'm seeing a lot of Ritter takes there which I think if he does get that really high draft capital, he might start climbing up the boards a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I, I like that pick a lot. I know there was conversations with even the Lions looking at him a little bit. Um, I know that more or less the Lions are looking at that Matt Corral a little bit more, but there was some Ritter takes. I think they actually, even the Lions even hosted Ritter to their top 30 um, visits, did they not? I, I think so. Now I would be, I'd be surprised if he got that Cincinnati, or sorry, that uh, Seattle, type draft capital but i could see a team that passes on a quarterback early in the first possibly trading into the late first um to get that fifth year option with the uh with the rookie quarterback so maybe yeah maybe washington maybe seattle doesn't take a quarterback early in the draft but maybe towards the end of the first round they they trade back in to get a ritter even Atlanta too. I, I won't. Yeah. I, I still think it's unlikely Atlanta takes one. I think they're going to be so bad next year. They're going to be running for 101. So they're going to probably lock up a queue next year. But uh, I think we'll talk about that situation a little bit later on the episode. But yeah, I was uh, I was pretty choked on that one. But I'm on the clock now, sitting here at one of my at 111. Uh, we'll see 111 pick. I'm keeping the quarterback train going to be able to get a quarterback in a super flex league at the 111 is uh, is juicy even though i think by consensus a lot of people think the quarterback class is weaker obviously in comparison to last year's quarterback class but regardless to get a quarterback at 111 i know a few people a handful of years prior to 111 was a real good position for lamar jackson and uh, he turned out just fine uh so at the 111 position i'm going to take a quarterback as well and i'm going to take matt corral uh, out of ole miss now, he is a quarterback that intrigues me a lot, impartial too, because the Lions have their names connected to him at pick 32. Um, he would be the fourth quarterback off the board in our Superflex draft at six foot one, 205 pounds. Um, I think the pros to this pick, he is a pinpoint accurate quarterback in the short and intermediate routes. He does have issues with the downfield accuracy. Um, so he has a, gr- a talented arm, but he lacks arm strength. Um, he's a quarterback that early on um, had a few, I would say, knocks against him as a quarterback, but progressively got better throughout his career. Um, he is he is, makes a lot of opportunities from his legs. He can move lots. Uh, he can evade pressure, and he's elusive in open space. Uh, so in fantasy perspective, to be able to have a guy that can move, I think that is really beneficial. But with a guy that's six foot one and 205 stature, Um, Are you going to be able to maintain that type of contact at the NFL level? He does like to lower his body into contact in the collegiate perspective. So that is something that concerns me a little bit at the NFL level, especially with a smaller stature. Uh, But being able to be so elusive uh, allows him to escape the pocket and keep his uh, keep options open. And he succeeds with when he's out of the pocket, keeping his eyes downfield. He doesn't just tuck the ball and boogie. He's still looking to make the play 
and be able to stretch the ball um, while even though out of the pocket. Uh, he does take a lot of sacks, though, with uh, that being said, because he's trying to make so much happen. Um, he doesn't just throw the ball out of bounds and move along. He does take the sack, which is a knock against him in the NFL level. Uh, but at the same time, you got to take the pros with the cons. If he can boogie and make things happen, sometimes you got to take that sack uh, for a lot of the pros that he has had in previous success. Um, so like I mentioned, some of the cons, his arm strength, size, and downfield accuracy, but he does come with a lot of poise and a lot of leadership qualities. And in the past season, he cut his um, his decision-making or made his decision-making a lot better, uh, cutting his interceptions from 14 to just four in the 2021 season. So um, progressively getting better, like Zach had mentioned, and decision-making getting uh, stronger. Now, I think this is a quarterback that would succeed in a red shirt uh, rookie season uh, underneath a NFL franchise. I don't think he's pro ready, but he has the capabilities to continue to build off of, uh, the, which would allow him to be successful, which I think is an exact scenario where the Lions are at. At that pick 32, you have one more year of a monstrous Jared Goff contract, and Matt Corral could be the answer in upcoming seasons. Um, I will talk about that pick later on and what I think of that, but uh, that's why I'd be taking Matt Corral at 111 with incredible value in a super flex league. Um, Armand, pick 112 on the clock. All right, with pick 112, I am ending the QB run, a short little run we had going here, and I am moving back to RB. And this one might be a little bit of a spicy take to some. Um, I think in our group chat, though, when we were kind of talking, you guys kind of agreed with me on this one. I am taking Rashad White from Arizona State. Um, he is a big guy. He's six foot two, 210 pounds. Um, according to uh, NFL draft buzz. And uh, he, he is a great runner, I think, in my mind. He, uh, behind Kenneth Walker, I think he is the best um, juker and, and best at getting guys to miss in the box. Um, he's not as sudden as Walker or has the top end speed, but um, when a guy actually does get him wrapped, um, he's better at breaking the tackles than Walker and driving defenders for, forward, um, and and he's very shifty. Um, to kind of go off Bridgerton here because season two just came out, <laughs> he is my diamond this year. I think he could be high, a high-value pick of where you could actually get him in drafts um, because he, he does have a high-end potential to be a three-down back in the NFL. Um, big body, runs hard, runs strong, is fast. And he has long arms and can catch the ball really well as well. Um, so he, he is a, a guy that does have that three down potential in the NFL. Armin's qualifications for being a, a fantasy relevant running back is have the first name Rashad and the rest will take care of itself. <laughs> Armin also really, really likes guys with a low contact balance. Big time. <laughs> hey, I coach RBs. I know what you need to break tackles. Yeah. I play rugby. Yeah, I will. I will mention Zach or Zach. Sorry, Armin was uh, really hot with his takes with the RB last year, and uh, he hit the nail on the head with a lot. Especially, I will mention his late take of the fantasy gold of Elijah Mitchell. He was very high on him, and uh, that was a 
I think, uh, I wouldn't say a dart throw, but to a lot of people, it was very unexpected. But Armin does his deep dive on running backs, and uh, he has a high hit rate. So when I will say when Armin is uh, when Armin is talking about some of these RBs jumping up and maybe a little bit more, uh, he's higher on some of the guys. I, I definitely uh, tune in with a with a lending ear. I think because uh, he does uh, he does a pretty good work there. But I, I do have somebody else higher than him, so we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> <a little bit. laughs> uh, Zach two hundred one on the clock. All right, this. We're into the two-minute territory now, too. So yeah, I get the my uh, my speed on here. Uh, this is somebody that may be going a little bit earlier than uh, than uh, most would have him, but I am taking George Pickens, wide receiver out of Georgia. Pickens is six foot three, two hundred pounds. Uh, Pickens broke out as a true freshman uh, in twenty nineteen, and many projected. At the conclusion of that year, if he was able to declare for the draft, he would have been wide receiver one. And many forecasted that when he did declare, he would eventually be wide receiver one. But due to some shaky quarterback play at Georgia and then Pickens tearing his ACL uh, in the spring um, and only playing 63 snaps this season, um, he's going to be falling a little bit in the NFL draft, which will subsequently mean falling a little bit in dynasty rookie drafts. Uh, Like I mentioned earlier with the player profile breakout age, Pickens broke out at 18.5 years old, which is 96 percentile in their in their database. Um, Pickens reminds me a lot of Devontae Parker and they profile very similarly to together. Uh, when Parker was coming into the draft in 2015, he was six foot three, 202 pounds, uh, same height and only two pounds heavier than Pickens. Parker had 33 and a quarter inch arms. Pickens has 32 and five eighth inch arms. Uh, <laughs> uh, Parker runs the 40 yard dash uh, just a shade quicker, and their verts are very similar. Um, but my favorite part of Pickens' game is his nastiness. Uh, do, your, do yourself a favor and YouTube uh, George Pickens blocking, and you will see him knocking guys on their butts at the line of scrimmage uh, as an 18-year-old against uh, SEC opponents. Uh, and then one last thing before I go here. Uh, in the national semifinal against... I believe it was Alabama, no, rather uh, Ohio State. Uh, Pickens suplexed a DB in the end zone. There was a loose ball in the end zone, and kind of behind the play, Pickens suplexed the closest defender to him. And if that's not a stamp of approval, I don't know what the heck is. This uh, I like the pick, Zach. I had three guys in mind. Um, you took that pick. Um, so I made my next one a little bit easier. I'm at the 202 position and uh, I'm taking a gamble. I'm taking a gamble here in more than uh, one sense. I'm taking a gamble at the guy I want. Uh, I think my slide a little bit and I'm also taking a gamble because this pick itself is a gamble. Now, the reason it's a gamble is because I'm making a bet on athleticism and I'm going to take Christian Watson from North Dakota State. Uh, so he'd be the wide receiver seven off the board. 
at six foot four, 211 pounds. And he is fast running a 40 at four, three, six. He is an incredibly athletic specimen as a big body and a fast guy, but he comes in at, um, I guess a few flaws as well. But the thing I like about his flaws are things that he can learn and things that he can work on. Um, he has some things are sloppy routes. Uh, he struggles in contested catches, um, but those are things that he can work on and can become better at. He is big. He is fast. And the one thing that I do like, even though he doesn't, and we talked about this, I do like the, the true rookie or the, um, or the early breakout. Uh, he doesn't have that in a sense but he does have an absolute domination at the senior bowl. So even though he isn't that young breakout, we do like to see that if you are the late comeback, uh, late, late entry, uh, you do have the success in the senior bowl. Uh, guys like Debo Samuel, guys like Cooper Cup, those are type of guys that had the dominance at the Super Bowl. And then also that obviously translated into success in the NFL. Um, this pick is strictly on draft capital and athleticism. If he gets that second or third round draft capital, the third round might be starting to slip a little bit. Um, then I like this pick a lot because it's a bet on athleticism. But if he is a fifth, sixth, seventh, even maybe a fourth round pick, um, he's going to start dropping down my draft boards a little bit. But I, I do like Christian Watson. I like his athleticism and uh, he's high on my draft class. Zach, do you got anything to add? Uh, like I think you nailed it on the head there. Um, went to North Dakota state, had a really good year with Lance in 19 and then, um, has continued to have good success, but his showing at the senior bowl is, or was exceptional. And I think that cemented himself as a first or second round pick in the NFL draft. I, I hope so. If he gets that draft cap along me all over him, cause that's, uh, yeah, that'd be, uh, be nice to pair with that athleticism. Um, pick 203, Armin on the clock. All right, so. Pick 203 here. I was really hoping Watson was actually going to fall to me here. Like you said, he's a freak athlete, and he, he's, he sweeps. He runs the sweeps. He runs deep routes. He runs everything. He was phenomenal, I thought, in, in college based on just his athletic profile. Um, so I had to rally here a little bit, and I ended up taking John Mechie the third. So another uh, third on my roster here to go with Kenneth Walker the third. At two or three, um, the third pick of the second. <laughs> so uh, Mechie, he, he's a good receiver. He was once in contention for, for that top or top wide receiver spot uh, in this draft and then kind of fell out of favor a little bit. Um, so with that pedigree, you, you do have to give him a little bit of respect there. Um, he has great speed. He, he has great agility. Um, he has, he's good at those underneath routes. That's kind of where he thrives is, is those underneath routes. And, and he's got a decent size. He's six feet, 195 pounds. So he, he isn't uh, as small as some of those other receivers that we took earlier, which is, is good to see. Although uh, some of the scouting that you read on him, they're concerned about his size still as well. So, um, but he, he, he seems all around like a good receiver. Um, and, and I'm, I'm happy to take him here with, uh, with that pedigree of, 
of at once being considered one of the top wide receivers in this class. I'm just I'm happy you didn't take my guy. So I'm hoping that uh, <laughs> I'm glad I snuck you and I'm hoping that uh, Zach will pass on my guy. And I can, my, my uh, strategy worked out anything to add there, Zach, before we move on to the next pick. Yeah. I've been keeping an eye on, on Mechie for, for a few seasons now. Uh, it started off as a Canadian wide receiver going to the SEC. Um, that really caught my eye. And then he's had a lot of media attention just from playing at Alabama and now Patriots Twitter is a buzz with the potential of John Menchie reuniting with Mac Jones uh, in New England, uh, possibly, Ooh. you know, second round pick 54 is where he's popping up in, you know, dozens of mock drafts with the uh, New England beat writers. So I'm keeping you know, a small, small little bit of optimism that he ends up a Patriot and is able to continue that trend of reuniting um, the college quarterback with the college wide receiver for NFL success. Yeah. How excited would you be, Zach? Oh, I would be doing some fist pumps for sure on the coach. The dog would be, my dog's a big scaredy cat, scaredy cat. I can't get too excited. I can't get too upset because she's, (laughs) sprinting downstairs dogs would be barking oh kevin malone (laughs) would they ever (laughs) um okay next on the clock here we got uh we got zach on the clock at pick uh 204 all righty this is somebody that i am a little bit surprised has lasted this long and uh I think at this spot in a dynasty draft will present huge, huge upside, especially since it is super flex. I am taking Sam Howell, quarterback UNC. Uh, Howell stands at six foot one, 218 pounds. And uh, many have compared him to a, you know, kind of like a Russell Wilson light. Um, Obviously, not comparing him to Russell Wilson now. But looking at Russell Wilson coming out of Wisconsin, um, Howell had a huge, huge freshman season breaking out at uh, the age of 19, which was 91st percentile per player profile. Um, Like I mentioned, has been a starter since his freshman year and was the consensus QB1 coming into this season. Had a great, great year last year. But this year, he struggled a bit compared to last season um, because he lost four of the best skill players um, on last year's team to the NFL. Um, in 2020, he graded out as the sixth best quarterback in the nation, according to P- PFF. Uh, and this year, PFF had him as the 15th best quarterback in the nation. Um, this year, he had a completion percentage of 61 and a half. 3,050 yards, 24 touchdowns, nine interceptions, and a passer rating of 101.7. This year, he took a big step in the rushing department, uh, rushing for 828 yards and 11 touchdowns. Um, A lot of that had to do with losing Javante Williams and losing Michael Carter. Uh, He had to, you know, put a lot more on his shoulders. Um, I believe that Howell has good good arm talent, and is able to make plays on the run through the air and on the ground. 
Uh, he did run a simplified offense at UNC uh, with plenty of RPOs and single reads. So while he is not NFL ready at this point in the draft, the value is too good. You know, have him on the taxi squad, have him as your third quarterback, fourth quarterback. And in a year or two, I think he's somebody that could really uh, take a step forward and become a starter for, for whatever team is lucky enough to draft him. There was conversations that he was going to be the possibly one-on-one based on last year. And then obviously possibly taking a step forward this year, obviously with a little bit of a lower season this past year that's is not no longer the case but uh, I'm very interested once again you know like where he ends up and and what type of offense he runs I I, I agree with you Zach I think he's got uh, some sneaky upside especially in super flex leagues where he might uh, drop down uh, draft boards a little bit anything to add Armin before we go on to the next pick nope okay right on 205 on the clock I got my guy I took a gamble. Um, a lot of this helped with a little bit of pre-knowledge, knowing that I know Armand uh, is not a huge fan of this guy. So I was kind of playing the draft game against Zach, hoping he wasn't going to take him. Uh, but I'm going to take the running back here, who I have running back three. And I'm very, very happy that he uh, slid down the draft board this far. Um, so I'm going to take Isaiah Spiller, uh, running back from Texas A&M. Uh, he'll be the running back four off the board, but he is running back number three in my eyes. Uh, standing at a six foot flat, 217 pounds. Uh, but one thing I like about him is he's young, a 20 year old back. Uh, so young, young age, uh, to me, he passes the eye test a lot. I really like him. Um, and then one of the big knocks for him was that he had an incredibly slow 40, 40 speed, uh, coming into the, um, coming into the, uh, combine, but he doesn't like Armin kind of mentioned, and I can't remember which, uh, who you're talking about on the past one there, Armin. Uh, but he, he passed the eye test because even though he doesn't have the fast testing speed, he does have a fast playing speed. Like he just, when you watch his film, he doesn't look slow. And in, in my eyes, I see that very similar to like, um, maybe like a Kareem Hunt. And everybody kind of thought Kareem Hunt was going to be really slow, didn't have that ability to have the burst or take the ball to the house. Uh, and obviously we've seen a very successful career for Kareem Hunt so far. Um, he is uh, bringing a third down capability. Uh, he has a good ball catcher. Uh, so he can come into a workload where he can be seen as the quote unquote um, workhorse back, the three down back. Uh, but he does have some faults. Obviously, he does have the slow testing speed, which has brought his capability down quite a bit. And he has a high fumble issue, which is something to monitor and hopefully can take care of the ball in the NFL uh, compared to his collegiate rankings. Um, but this is another player that, like previously mentioned on Christian Watson, I think draft capital is the most important because I see him having the highest ceiling of the draft class, but he could also have one of the lowest floors. Uh, I, I do see him possibly even being the number one RB uh, based on who, where he goes to, and if he can take care of some of these flaws. Uh, but if he is anywhere past the third round, uh, he's going to drop significantly off my draft board. Um, as we know in, in past, if you are a fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round running back, it becomes incredibly difficult for you to become successful and teams do not have the significant um, commitment to you like other backs. So uh, that's my take on Isaiah Spiller and I'm going to let Armin rip me apart here. <laughs> All right. This is what I'll, what I'll say is he, he is a solid back. Um, he, he's not a great athlete, but he's a great football player. If that makes sense. Um, he knows how to read the angles. He knows how to read the play. Um, and what I said in, in my, um, in my, uh, 
oh god i'm blanking and and my uh analysis of him is that he gets the most out of every play that he possibly can with his athletic ability um it's it's not like he's reading the blocks well terribly taking bad angles and stuff like he is he's hitting the right holes he's getting as much as he can out of the play but then he's getting caught from behind or he he's getting pinched in between two defenders or he can't he doesn't have enough speed to get to the edge but he gets as much as he can out of it yeah i i'm okay with that and in and yeah part of this too is like we're getting significant value here at the 205 for a guy yeah. that has that high of a ceiling I, i'm definitely okay taking the 205 position yeah, uh, you're yeah. next on the clock here, Armin, at 206. All right. I'll just say quickly, he has a very high floor, but a low ceiling. Um, my guy at the 206, I am taking what I consider the last quarterback that could potentially become a long-term starter in the NFL. After this, I don't think they will be long-term starting quarterbacks. Some of them might become starters for a little bit and stuff, but I think Carson Strong is the last chance in this draft to nab a quarterback that could be a long-term solution, especially in a super flex at your QB2 spot. Um, he is Zach's cousin. Not really, but uh, <laughs> got to throw it out there because of the name, right? Um, but he, he is a good quarterback. He, he's not fast. He's not a runner. So he's not that, that fantasy top tier guy that you want to get. But if you look at his arm talent and you look at his, uh, his ability to play the quarterback position, he is a really good traditional quarterback. And by that, I mean, he can drop back into the pocket. He navigates the pocket really, really well um, with great footwork. And he has a quick release to throw the ball and he can and he can fit it into tight spots and he's got the arm strength to put it down the field and he isn't afraid to do that either he he's he's a, a confident quarterback um and and can 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 do the the job well and won't be scared at the nfl level i don't think and uh, you're you're buying into family stocks as exactly, which is always an addition yeah, I'm uh, trying to get invited into their uh, Thanksgiving and Easter meals. <laughs> uh, Zach, anything to add before we all go on to your pick here? That's a strong pick, Armin. What can you say? Yeah, Ooh. strong as the next pick from uh, from a strong man. Um, Zach, you're on the clock here at the 207. So this is for, dang it. A little bit of premature analysis there. Uh, for me, this is really where the uh, there's kind of like a, a tear break again. I think um, you had your your top four receivers, top five receivers, and you kind of had one or two, maybe three after them. And I think this is kind of that third tier of uh, receivers. Um, at two hundred seven, I am taking. Jahan Dotson, wide receiver from Penn State. Uh, Dotson stands 5'11 and weighs in at 178 pounds. Um, this is somebody that has played primarily on the outside at Penn State, but physically and athletically profiles as a plug-and-play NFL slot receiver. Um, smaller frame than some in the draft, but seems to make catches that he has no business making. Um, the, the poor QB play at Penn State 
did an excellent job of showing off Dotson's catch radius. Um, this year, he had 91 receptions on 138 targets, um, just short of 1,200 receiving yards and 13 yards uh, per reception to go along with 12 touchdowns. Dotson is a sudden route runner that has an explosive first step after making uh, a reception. Uh, oftentimes, I saw the, the quarterbacks getting him the ball in the short passing game. He would make one cut get the edge and make a play. Um, he does need to get a little bit bigger or stronger, but um, I think he is somebody that can contribute quite early on um, as a, as a gadget or as a, um, you know, a scripted pass where the quarterback makes the read and gets him the ball right away. Um, maybe starting off as that and then working his way into, into something bigger. Um, I'm not going to say that I, I've watched uh, Tariq Hill's um, rookie season tape, but uh, physically he looks like somebody that if he got bigger could be a Tariq Hill where really stretches that defense in the vertical and short passing game. Seen his name tied to uh, a couple teams actually in that second round, somewhere between the early and late second round, uh, like Cleveland, Detroit, um, seen even Arizona um kind of in the mix a little bit as well uh, and so i've seen you, him i've seen what? him even early or sorry earlier than that like i've seen him late first round in some drafts for teams that are really targeting that that slot receiver need yeah i mean uh it's uh, he he was a guy that i was so interested in especially early on and then i think a few other names kind of just started sneaking into the picture and uh, I kind of got a little bit more excited over other guys, but he's just, man, he just, he's very intriguing to me. I think uh, he's, he's somebody I'm going to monitor definitely in the draft in, in, in the day two there. Um, I'm next on the clock here at uh, 208. Uh, this, this one, I'm, I'm happy to take this guy because uh, much the same as Dotson. I'm very intrigued on this guy. He's very green. Uh, he got a lot of room to grow and I think develop and, um, and he's got the biggest hands you'll ever see. He's the, the lies you heard about Burks are the truth you'll hear about more. And I, I'm going to take sky Moore out of Western Michigan, uh, the 10th wide receiver off the board. And uh, I'm going to call him mega hands uh, in reference to bench warmers. When they talk about mega mitt, when he's running around the sports <laughs> store with the gigantic baseball glove, because this man's going to catch every ball thrown his way because his hands are monstrous at 10 and a quarter inches he has one of the biggest hands uh, you'll ever see and uh, he is very very good up the middle and there's not gonna be a lot of balls thrown his way that he's not gonna really catch he is small in stature at 5 10 195 pounds uh, and he is very green I did mention that he's small in stature and he's green he's got lots of room to improve and, and a lot to learn uh, but he is a good route runner and uh, he does have a good route tree and uh, with that capability with those size and a room to grow. I'm interested in at more or less landing spot, not so much draft capital, because if he lands in a situation with a very, very crowded room, uh, he doesn't have that opportunity to blossom, where I think a lot of NFL reps are gonna uh, benefit this man. Now with a small stature, um, he might have issues with press coverage, uh, but I am very, very interested in this uh, prospect of Sky Moore and Western Michigan. And, uh, and obviously to uh, just talk about the man 
uh, with the biggest hands. And uh, you talk about basketball players and those big mitts and palming basketballs. You take something with these big mitts and you put that against the football, we might see some ridiculous athletic catches because uh, that ball's in the air. That one hand goes up. He's probably coming down with it. So uh, I like Sky Moore, and I'm really interested at uh, where he might end up. I saw some saw some uh, mocks to maybe um, uh, New Orleans in the second. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I like that as much because that's a similar role that's I think with those slant routes that MT plays uh, but you know a guy that that's green might be able to learn from a guy that's uh, a good veteran receiver like MT so I do like Sky more and he will be somebody I monitor come draft season anything mentioned before I go to Armin's pick all right Armin 209 on the clock All right, at 209 here, I had a lot of names that were going through my mind. I think at this point, you're starting to look more at upside rather than uh, that, uh, that floor because anybody with a high floor is probably already taken. So high floor doesn't necessarily hold as much value here as much as those high ceiling guys. Um, I ended up going with an RB from South Dakota State and this one is, is a pick to not only get me invited to Thanksgiving and uh, Easter dinner, but Christmas dinner as well. I went with Pierre Strong Jr. Um, he is a blazing fast RB. Um, he put up the highest 40 or the fastest 40 time at four, a four three seven. Um, he's fast and sudden. Um, he could potentially have the best home run hitting ability out of any RB in this draft class. And that means high, high ceiling, right? Um, with that, with that ability that he has for, for reading and then hitting the hole and getting to the end zone as quick as possible. Um, it, it's hard to beat him in this, this class. Um, what, I didn't see from him was a lot of broken tackles because he played in a weaker conference. Um, most of his broken tackles were just purely his acceleration. Um, a guy would get kind of close and he would just run away from them as fast as possible. And they wouldn't even be able to get a hand on him. Um, but he does, um, he does have some decent tackle breaking. There was a few times where you did see him get meat in the hole or something like that, where um, where he was able to actually show his tackle bit breaking ability and it was good but it it didn't pop it wasn't like a whoa that guy like he can break tackles it was more of a okay he can break a tackle if need be um, and because he did play those lesser opponents he does have some question marks around him um, because um, he his his O line did open up some huge holes he he found the right holes but they were always really big holes at his O line um, opened up for him. So um, you didn't really get an opportunity to, to, to analyze whether he was able to read blocks that well either, um, just because of that. Um, that's kind of my analysis. Do you guys have any questions about uh, Zach's second cousin here? Yeah, you're just, uh, you're buying into the family. You're going to get uh, season tickets in multiple stadiums, I think, with uh, the addition of Zach. <laughs> you going to take Zach at your 212-2 or what? To complete the trifecta? 301. <laughs> Ah, sorry, Zach, you don't get the second-round bonus. Ah, shucks. All right, next pick on the clock. We got Zach coming in with, what pick is this? The 210, round it being up, Zach's last pick. 
Um, it's it's about time that uh, we, we we took a tight end in this draft. So at two ten, I am taking Trey McBride, tight end from Colorado State. Uh, McBride stands six foot four, two hundred and forty five pounds. Uh, both size wise and production wise, coming out of college, he reminds me a little bit of a tight end that I think we're we're all. Uh, pretty fond of in Adam Trotman. Uh, over the past three seasons, McBride has been a top eight tight end, according to PFF, topping out at the tight end number one on this most recent season. This season, McBride dominated his team's target share, accounting for 34% of their targets and a whopping 38% of their passing yards. This season, McBride had 91 receptions on 122 targets, uh, good for 1,100 yards and a respectable one touchdown. Um, McBride is an all-around tight end that can play in-line in line and in the slot. Um, he routinely made plays downfield and has the athleticism to threaten seams as well as across the middle. Uh, he, from what I saw on his highlight tape, he is a capable blocker, but not a, a willing or a dominant blocker. So this isn't going to be a guy that is on the field at all times, maybe like a Gronk would be. Um, but McBride is somebody that I think given some time in the NFL weight room, uh, given some time practicing against better competition is somebody that at the end of the second round it's worth a gamble on. This is exactly where last season I took Pat Fryermuth, and I am very happy a year later with um, not only the production but the the potential that Fryermuth has going forward. Yeah, I'm choked. This is uh, who I definitely wanted to take. I wanted to stop the slide. I, I like him quite a bit, uh, and I like the I like what they mentioned about Fryermuth. He was somebody that I think was a bit of a sleeper last year in the shadow of Kyle Pitts. And um, obviously, if you ended up picking him up late in the second, you're you're incredibly happy. And I got snaked in the draft on on uh, Friarmouth last year, and I got snaked in the draft uh, today uh, from Zach on uh, McBride. So, uh, anything bad there's Armand, or should I move to two eleven? You know, McBride is a good value pick here. He's really the only tight end worth mentioning today, um, but he does have potential to be a, a great fantasy asset and dynasty asset at the tight end position where um, sometimes it's hard to find a good tight end. So getting him is a, is a great option, especially if you are a tight end needy team. That being said, I, I, I do like Dolchich a little bit. Like, I don't think he's, I, I do like Dolchich. I do like likely, I mean, they're down the boards. Like I think as late round dart throws, maybe a little bit. Um, I mean, McBride is uh, head and shoulders above the two. Uh, but I do like those two as maybe those late round dart throws where you might be able to find a little bit of uh, magic. I mean, we're not looking at, especially in talking about this, we're, we're dynasty uh, outlook here. So we're not looking at year one production by these two. I mean, in redrafts, I'm not jumping at these guys by any stretch of imagination, but uh, they are uh, things that I do think I, I'd be looking at. So um, at 211 here, my last pick. I uh, I had a hard time here because I was trying to fly around a little bit of names I liked and names I'd be looking for value. And I ended up settling on uh, on this last pick of Zamir White. 
And I think this is a riskier pick as well, too. But Armin kind of hit the nail on the head. You know, you can take uh, these later ones. You can take a little bit of of a risk uh, for potential production. And coming out of uh, a class of Georgia running backs that, you know, they like to run a bit of a committee. I think uh, he's going to have a little extra tread on the tire and uh, has upside for room to grow. Now, coming off of two different ACL injuries is risky and um, not the same knee, two different knees. It does come with risk. Um, but at a 5'11", 215 pounds, he was a former five-star recruit. And um, like I mentioned, taking the two ACLs uh, ended up limiting his, his touches a little bit uh, and sharing the backfield. But he um, he's only had three career fumbles in his entire collegiate career, uh, which is a huge checkmark uh, for teams that knowing that you can be able to protect the ball. Um, he does come with a little bit of lack of passing background, but I think that is more a, a tip in the cap of, of cook and less in the cap of white, because it does come in a, in a, in a backfield where it's a, a shared workload and that workload can come, uh, maybe a potential because of they're trying to conserve him with two ACLs or because they, that's just the way Georgia does things. They do like to share the backfield. Um, I think he comes with a huge potential workload. He's a big body and he runs well. Uh, he's good, good vision. He's, he's agile and he's well balanced with the low center gravity and contact balance. And he's very explosive. So he has attributes that I like as a running back. Now he may profile as maybe like a Ramondre Stevenson type back. Um, but uh, I know Ramondre obviously came in with some solid fantasy value. And, and I think Zamir White coming from Georgia has some room to grow and become a, a strong value. He, it, once again, I think draft capital tell maybe some teams like him. They end up jumping on a little bit early, kind of like the Pats did with Ramondre Stevenson in comparison, or maybe he falls down draft boards into the sixth round. And uh, we're not talking the same thing about Zamir White, but I, I, I like his, I like that he's a five-star recruit. I like the attributes he has, uh, just a little bit of concern with the injury history. And out of here, Armand, I'm pretty sure, I think I snuck my peek in here. I think, uh, I think I know you're going with this one. So maybe I just go right to your pick or what? Yeah, sure. Two twelve, last pick of the draft. Armin's on the clock. All right. Well, with this last pick of the draft, there's a few guys left on the board that I wanted to talk about here, and that's kind of where I ended up picking this guy. Is as I did want to talk to him, and I think we we needed to talk to him, or, or not talk to him directly, talk about him. That would be um, sweet, though. Yeah. But I, I was looking at four different RBs here. It was Brian Robinson, Jerome Ford, Zonovan Knight, and then James Cook. And I ended up picking James Cook because of that high upside that we've been talking about. Um, the brother of Dalvin Cook. Um, so you, you know what his brother has done in the NFL. And James is a little bit, um, I think he's like an inch taller, but he's also like, about 10 or 15 pounds lighter than his brother. Um, but he is a pure home run hitter um, out of, out of, uh, out of Georgia here. Um, he's also the most accomplished pass catcher of all the backs in this class. So even though he, he doesn't have that traditional three down look to him, we've seen a lot of backs in the, in the past um, few years kind of go from that, three down looking like back or third down looking like back to into an actual productive three down back um, full workload guy. And I think James Cook could have that ability to make that transition as well at the NFL level. 
because of that home run hitting ability. Um, he does a lot of pass catching. So in an offense that, that throws the ball a lot, he'd be really well off. Um, and he, he has that speed and he knows how to use it in the open field to go for long runs. Um, he, he lacks tackle breaking ability and juke moves. Um, they didn't really show up on, on his uh, film at all, but he made up for that by reading the blocks and the angles really well when he was running. He, uh, any, any of his plays that went for long, he did not get touched because he just read the block perfectly and then accelerated and got the angle on the guy and went up the field for a score. Um, but he went down pretty quick once he got touched. I think he is the best pass catcher in the draft. For, mm-hmm. obviously for running backs I, I i think that so i think that comes with uh with uh comes with his potential and i think that brings in another opportunity for him uh so i'll put that feather in his cap as well too there for your arm and i do think he kind of profiles more of as like a scat back type guy uh but does have the ability to obviously grow and and develop because we've we've seen the family tree or you know like we we know what's possible not that i'm saying he is going to be a dalvin cook but uh we've seen what the the family tree is capable of and he is capable of putting on size i think so yeah Anything to mention here, Zach, before we wrap off our draft and then go into our hot takes of who we want to throw in here? Uh, yeah, I think just our little our little exercise here really highlights, um, I guess, in my mind, the strength or the, the fun part about this draft is, unlike in years past, there's going to be a lot of uh, variance in how teams have these guys stacked. And I think that could lead to a lot of... Uh, changes in how we value players and uh the depth here this year at wide receiver is very exciting uh in my mind you're not on fire ricky bobby I'm on fire! so i know i didn't say we were going to do ice cold hot takes but uh we're going to do it anyways in a similar sense um we're going to transition a little bit away from um fantasy and more or less into nfl takes here uh and we're gonna draft based on our nfl teams so my lines we have two picks i'll start with the second overall and then i'll transition to 32nd after everybody else is done then armin vikings are at 11 and then zach's uh pats are at 21 so we're gonna transition a little bit away from the fantasy more into our teams uh, and nfl franchises so um and with the lines we're in an interesting position at the 102 because more or less, we're waiting to see what happens. I know with uh, with draft odds right now and betting odds, they have uh, Hutchinson as the first overall pick, and I really want the Lions to have Hutchinson. So, best case scenario, I have uh, I have Aiden Hutchinson, uh, that is the edge rusher for Michigan, going at the uh, 102 to the Lions. There's been rumors that Trayvon Walker is going to be possibly sneaking into that 101 contention. And uh, also that they might be taking a potential offensive lineman as well. So either of those two scenarios happen. I'm really, really happy with Hutchison falling to the Lions and they're going to run their ticket at 102. If, if Hutchison is not available, I, I'm, I'm very happy taking Trayvon Walker. I think he comes with a higher ceiling, but a little more risk coming from a Georgia defense that is bolstered and has a lot of weapons um, where Michigan's defense isn't that strong, isn't that solid. Uh, so Hutchison is the guy. I think he's going to have a, a solid career, but I think his ceiling is capped a little bit. So the Lions at 102, best case scenario. We're taking Aiden Hutchison from Michigan. Armand, Minnesota Vikings, pick number 11. What do you got? All right. So uh, the last few years, Minnesota has had kind of a 
you could say a crappy defense, um, especially for Vikings, uh, Viking tradition, right? We're usually a, a good defensive team. And that's kind of why I, I liked the Vikings uh, and why they're, they're my team is I like, I like defense a lot, actually. I like teams that play good, hard defense. Um, so I am hoping that they fix that this year in the draft at pick 11. Um, I know there's rumors that Trevon Walker goes goes early in the draft, but right now on, on CBS, he's still ranked 13. So there's a chance he could fall to pick 11. And I'm just crossing my fingers and hoping that happens. Um, he will help stop the run. He's a great run defender. And that is where their defense was the worst last year. I think I saw that they were 29th in the league in run defense. And then, um, you know, a, a good pass rush, which uh, Trevon Walker should hopefully help with the pass rush, makes your corners look a, that much better. So um, he should help, help out in both aspects of the defense. And, yeah, I'm just hoping Trevon Walker makes it to the Vikings at pick 11. Yeah, well, well, if I don't get Hutchison, you're not getting Walker. Nobody's happy. Um, Zach, at pick 21, Pats, what are they doing? So unlike in, in you know recent years, the Pats have a few holes that they, at least that holes that I think they need to patch up. Um, and one of their biggest holes is in the secondary at cornerback. Uh, for years, Belichick and co. have played a tight man-to-man defense. But looking at who they've brought in this offseason, um, many people suspect that they might shift to a more zone-orientated defense, um, trying to lock down the speedy, dynamic receivers that are in their division and in the conference at large. Um, so I think if they go this route, it's going to point to them staying as a man-to-man defense. And my dream draft fit would be uh, cornerback Trent McDuffie. I would, let me just put it out there. I would much rather have Sauce Gardner or uh, Stingley, but I don't think those guys are realistic targets at 21. But I do think McDuffie is a realistic target for them. Uh, cornerback coming out of uh, University of Washington, uh, about 5'1", just under 200 pounds, maybe a little bit small for what they've had in the past in their man-to-man corners on the outside. But this guy is a competitor, uh, hasn't met a tackle that he hasn't liked, um, good man-to-man instincts. Um, because he's a little bit smaller, can get boxed out a little bit, but he's somebody that I think if they are able to get him would signal a, you know, staying at that style of defense that they've played for so long. Um, But I wouldn't be surprised if he goes before pick 21 also, um, as he's uh, in the past couple of months has really climbed up draft boards. So fingers crossed McDuffie lasts until 21 and that the Pats take him at 21. He's not actually 5'1", right? Did I say 5'1"? Yeah. Oh, sorry, 5'11". Okay. I was like, holy, no wonder he gets boxed out. <laughs> okay, Zach. Got those moon 20. boots on. Yeah, pick 21. Okay, McDuffie or Williams? I think they can do it with who they have at receiver. They got to go McDuffie. 
Oh, exactly. That's I thought for sure you were going to swing there, but that's uh, thinking with the right head there. That's for sure. That's some phrasing uh, for sure. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> and then I get one extra pick here because my lines uh, aren't very good and they sold out uh, my boy, Matthew Stafford. So they get the addition of one extra first round pick. And uh, I've had a hard time with this one. And I think I'm going to be okay either or, but I think my dream scenario is getting that uh, Nicobe Dean linebacker from Georgia. I think he helps bolster the defense and that's what Dan Campbell wants to do is really build up that defense and then we can focus on the offense in either free agency uh, or the upcoming draft in the following year. There's also uh, some depth in offensive pieces in this draft uh, that we can try and sue up in the second round. Some nice wide receivers, we don't have to try and jump there. Uh, but here's the thing. I will guarantee that in the second round pick, they will not take a, a quarterback. There's no way at pick 34, because if you're going to take a quarterback, you take him with the 32nd pick to gain that fifth year option. It just doesn't make sense. So I'm looking at a lot of mock drafts where they are. A lot of people are trying to put them at the 34th pick, and that just makes no sense whatsoever. There's no way that happens. If they are going to take a cue, it happens at pick 32. And it just rhymes and it's catchy and that's just why they're going to do it. So um, <laughs> if they do take a quarterback, I've seen a lot of Matt Corral. I mentioned that a little bit. I don't know if I like it uh, in a sense. It makes sense because you're going to put him in an opportunity to learn and behind Jared Goff, and then he can be a successor the upcoming season. But I also don't think the Lions are going to be very good this year. And with a really healthy quarterback class coming in 2023, uh, I think the potential of them maybe trying to wait and get one of those premier quarterbacks and giving Jared Goff one more opportunity and then taking maybe a, a Carson Strong in the in the third round or something of that sort makes a little bit more sense um so I, I do like bolstering the defense i like dean a lot so i do hope that the lions take him at pick 32 so i think that is my uh dream scenario and go lions there's my lions talk of the of the podcast can't go on without it um anything to add here fellas before we wrap this one up it's a little bit long one but the draft one is always a little bit long yeah you you held your alliance taken pretty pretty good till the end there yeah and it was kind of designed for you to talk about the lines anyway. So Michael, one episode about it. we'll see. Hats off. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll wrap it up. Uh, big thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, pay attention to social media. We'll be dropping off some, uh, some, some social media stuff here right away for a draft day special. Remember you got yourself a hat, some, uh, some rookie cards and an opportunity to play with us in the charity league upcoming season for free, a free entry. So pay attention to that. Uh, but that'll do it for episode number 46. Thank you very much for everybody for listening, paying attention, and following us along on social media. On behalf of Armin, Zach, and myself, and the 306 Fantasy Football team, thank you for listening, everybody. Take care, and let's talk soon.